0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Story Forge podcast, where making things matters. I'm Lyle Smith, your host. I'm a writer, a storyteller, occasionally a ghost, a career marketer, and a looper. And I am more annoyed at the world of figure skating this week than I ever thought I'd be in my life. But none of that matters right now. Right now, I'm bringing you another conversation in our series of conversations with people who make things, great things, interesting things, things that matter to the world, it was the singer Eddie Cantor who said, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. And that's the kind of story we have today. Donald Strom is a friend and a fantastic designer of fantastic things. He's also a principal in the Michael Graves Design Group, known for, among other things, a very successful series of home products in Target about 15 years ago. The truth is, Donald and his partners were all successes before this, but their latest endeavor what could be called a reimagining of their purpose, has been years in the making. Today, they achieved two major milestones. A, they were featured in a major article in Fast Company Magazine, and two, they appeared here on the Story Forge podcast. The new effort is an ongoing series of medical and healthcare products. They start with mobility products like canes and wheelchairs to start, and it's available at CBS today. This ticked all the boxes of a successful effort, They found a niche that was underserved, or in this case, really unserved. They designed and built a collection of great products that people love touching, holding, and using. And they found the perfect partner to get those products to the right audience. Add to that the enviable distinction that these products have the potential to change people's lives for the better, and it's an absolute home run. I had a great chat with Donald about the changes Michael Graves' design has gone through over the past several years, how the firm has weathered the pandemic, and the way they're trying to change the world. That chat begins now. So cool. How are you guys? How are you doing? How's everybody? Is everybody healthy?
1: Everybody
0: is healthy. Yeah.
1: We're, we're, we're glowing over here.
0: Very good. And you're, you're in your, uh, looks like you're in your home office there.
1: Yes, we uh, we we actually we gave up our office uh, about five and a half months before the pandemic hit. So we look we look like we're geniuses.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! So we
1: we hit the ground running. There was just no no hiccup at whatsoever once we gave up the, gave up our space. It was just the lease was up. We were like, let's try working from home. There you so, go. Uh, yeah, it, it makes you great.
0: it makes you futurists too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's worked out. It's worked out wonderfully.
0: So Very good. Very good. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, how, how has it been working at home? I can, I can tell you how it's been working from home for me, uh, you know, because we all have our own challenges, but I've been working. From
1: yeah, home I, I welcome it. Um, again, it's just was a change that I wanted to experience. Uh, again, working in an office or a design studio for 36 years, you know, mm-hmm. and just saying, you know, how, let's let's change it up a little bit. Let's try a little something different here. And see if there's a new way to work. So yeah. there was enough technology going on that, for the most part, I would say eighty percent, eighty-five percent is seamless in the manner in which I talk to my partners and any of our designers. Um, and we have some really incredible tools. So I just thought it was it was time to give up the physical, I would say, constraints
0: or restraints of an office. And I just find this actually more liberating. That's fantastic because I wonder about that, you know, and I'm going to ask more about other angles of this later on, but uh, you know, being in a creative field in a creative um, you know, position um, and I I do the same when I'm writing, I need, I need to have a space that I'm in that I'm occupying that's um, uh, productive for me. And I, it doesn't need to be inspiring necessarily. It doesn't need to be, you know, a library setting or anything like that, but it needs to be, you know, I need to feel like I belong in the space I'm in. Um, And I wonder, you know, I always ask this of other creative folks, what's, you know, what's your feeling on that? And, you know, I mean, you seem to have adopted the home working.
1: uh, Well, I think that that was the most important thing that what the setup that I had in my office was exactly the same in terms of, you know, like playing an instrument, right? You know, if I played drums for years, so there was always a certain way the drums were set up mm-hmm. to make it really comfortable for me, and I needed that same sort of setup at home. You know, it, it, it mimicked what I had at at the office, and the surroundings are different. There's still plenty of light. You know, light's very important here, and right. then also just the addition of more monitors is really what it is, right? So I, so I could be talking to people. I don't know how many monitors do you have
0: going on. Oh, there? any number. I have I have three that I have going normally, and then I have a couple of other, you know. Tablets yeah. And things and yeah.
1: So I have four monitors right now and then I have an iPad and right. again, there's something on everyone and it just, it's, it's all about that outreach and that connectivity that I feel the presence of it all of the work, right. you know, in terms of, so there's no hiccup in, in how I go about my day. Right. So that, you know, that took some effort. The surroundings are different, but there's still some mementos that remind me what I do for a living. Right. You know, you know, and then there's still a pinup board over here for me, just sort of the daily reminders and, you know, still have a host of uh, post-its that you get used liberally, you know, so it's, so it's both, both worlds, a virtual world and a post-it world.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's funny. Cause I, I, I wonder about the, this about myself sometimes, cause I use, um, you know, you ask how many screens I'm, I'm make, I make, I'm making my semi-annual effort to become more paperless in my home office. And uh, it never I, I, it never is quite as successful as I want it to be because um, I like to, you know, I would like to clear a lot of stuff out and be, you know, tidy, tidier in my space. But, um, you know, I, I like I like to print things out and mark them up. I like to have paper. And like even my notes for this conversation, I have a, a legal pad with scribbles. Right, and, right. Uh, so it's always a, a you know, um a little bit of a battle that way to balance electronics with uh with you know physicality
1: yeah and, and again there is a lot of what i do tends to be in collaboration with other designers mm-hmm. so there we have certain tools that we use i, I draw on a program called procreate mm-hmm. and then i can easily send uh design sketches or work simultaneous with another person so we can sort of finish our you know instead of finishing a sentence we can finish our lines Right. You know, our, our 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 sketch lines together, and then we use a, a major um, we use a program called Mural to sort of post everything up in real time that I, keeps full history of the project. Because again, we're we're designing physical physical experience of products. So right. you know, so that's that those are tangible things. Right. So they just don't exist in the ether. They right. have to come together and get made at some point. Right. So that's so that so having those, but still, it doesn't always replace being together in the same room with another designer and we mm-hmm. do a little bit of that as well. We, I actually did it yesterday with my with my design partner. We we got together in um, an office that he has on Princeton University. He he's a professor, he teaches at Princeton. So he has access to an office. We you know we put our masks on, we went over there and we're you know sitting close by but sharing and it, it there is a little bit of a difference in how quickly you could rectify a design situation by right. being Right next to each other and just how the again i always talk about the ether like simultaneous thought working its way out into the atmosphere mm-hmm. you sort of grabbing onto those thoughts and then helps you concretely start to express something mm-hmm. and it just it, it, there's still nothing that can fully replace being in the same room designing
0: yeah no i i can see that and there's there's uh, i i have i have that uh not so much because i don't collaborating with other writers is a little different because there's a lot of independent right. work that we, uh, we kind of edit together more than anything else. And, um, you know, I, have I'm pretty comfortable doing it virtually, but it's, um, you know, some people prefer to be in the same room with other people. Clients sometimes prefer to be in the same room with other people. Right.
1: Um,
0: and, um, but I, I, I feel it's interesting. I, I, I think a lot of businesses or at least a lot of the people I work with, uh, have been able to shift over and adapt uh, pretty seamlessly to a uh, a largely virtual world, even to the point of you know because they they're happy not to pay for you know airplane tickets to get to visit clients stuff
1: so, yeah we we were happy not to have to pay for rent for building
0: yeah, well that's, yeah, that's another one. I mean, and that's that's the thing you see these people you know every once in a while I see these articles about. Uh, It's a lot of the banks for some reason, like the New York banks. Like we expect you to be. We're not going to pay New York salaries unless you're actually coming into New York. Um, But on the other hand, if they're getting the work done, you know, who cares really?
1: Yeah, Yeah. but if if you're you're still there's there's true evidence, you know, evidence based actionable items going on here that it doesn't have to be that way. Right. You know, so it's proven that you don't all have to be under the same roof. Right. Just on whether that's a mandate of a of the company.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, and, we, we're
1: experiencing that with so, several of our clients right now where they're, they're under the mandate that they have to get back to work into the mm-hmm. physical office next week. Mm. And it's all they're talking about. Yeah, you know, it, it's, that's finally, it's finally come to this point right. And they're, and they like the balance of being able to come in, coming and going, and they feel they're more productive. Right. So, again, that, it depends on the type of work you're doing. And oh, Sure. You
0: know, I mean, it's every, every, uh you know, industry is a little bit different. Every every office, even individual offices. So, um, so you're I just a, find myself
1: cooking a bit more. It,
0: yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You know, it's like the kitchen's just right over there.
1: Yeah, I just oh, sort of yeah. whip something up and then just check back in it. You know, so it's,
0: <laughs> it's a lot more marinades. So I, I got yeah. time to do instead of going to the water cooler. I'm going to the oven. Right, you know? right. Oh, so you're so you know you're a designer. You grew up you you, you from that's your career. We, you started as a designer, you went to Parsons, you, um, uh, and now you are a, a, a partner in the business. And so how, how has that changed? I mean, this is a long time we're talking about, and I'm going to get into this too, but, uh, um, how has that changed you from being like the, the day-to-day, you know, sharpening the pencil designer to, you know, neck deep in the business of it as well.
1: Yeah, uh, How
0: does that well, balance change? First of
1: all, know? just I, I want to just uh, express that the type of designer I am. So people, you know, anyone anyone who might be listening yeah. uh, will, will know that I'm an industrial designer. So mm-hmm. I am a product designer, furniture designer, jewelry designer, mm-hmm. um, healthcare designer. It it really it really falls under the idea of anything that is manufactured or industrialized. Right. I mean, there's, it's, it's basically um, functional sculpture is what I do. Right. right? It, to put it, I mean, I, I, I know a lot about form. I know a lot about materiality. I know a lot about manufacturing and you put it all together to do something that it basically is going to enhance someone's life. That, that is the goal of what we're doing. And it's a repeatable, it's a repeatable technique. Right. So you're just not making one, which is sort of craft right. art. Right. This is art that is repeatable in high level mass industry manufacturing. Right. You know, so you're not making you're making tens of thousands.
0: It's funny. I I had I had a little note I had I was cleaning my desk and I have these little notes that I write ideas on. And one I was looking at earlier today and it was talking about the it said, what's the difference between an artist and an artisan? Um, which is sort of ironic considering I'm talking to you today. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, that's it, right? So art is like you're creating this one unique thing or this one unique experience. Uh, an artisan creates something. It's that one unique thing that has a purpose that serves, a, serves maybe a and it, and purpose And it's also
1: about their craft. They're, they're making it at a trainable level. Usually with an artisan, to some extent, there's an apprenticeship. It goes along with it where they're trained in that medium, whether it's glass, whether it's wood, whether it's metal, metallurgy. So there, you know, so so artists or designers would sometimes go to a craftsman or an artisan to
0: to make things. To make the thing that they invented, mm-hmm. make the thing that they designed. And yeah. then the other side of what you do, of course, is is getting into, you know, now now this is a product that people are going to buy. So you now have to have to be able to manufacture it at scale. So that um you know so that you help more people you solve that 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 so that problem gets solved in more places and uh of course the business side of it somewhat
1: and i always talk about design there was a gentleman famous architect and designer named charles eames he's you know he's like the great the, the father of mid-century modern mm-hmm. and he always said that um design is a method of action and what that means is method implies a commonality across all design disciplines mm-hmm. and action tells us that design is is more than just thinking. It's about doing. It's right. about creating a positive outcome. Right. Right. So I, I really like that that definition of what design is.
0: I love that. Because that's, I mean, that's really what I like to talk about here in this on this show is this idea of making things matters. And you know, I talk to a lot of people who make a lot of different things. And and they're, you know, I talked to my a friend last week who's a who's a novelist. He makes stories and books. And I, I, you know, have people have different types of businesses to make things. One one guy's, uh, you know, educating people on uh, mindfulness. And so he made that educational tool that they use. And this is like, what you do is like, right down to that. No, you're actually making physical things that make a difference in people's lives.
1: Right. And it's it's fascinating to do, uh, mainly because there's so many other people that have to be involved in the process. You know, in order to make that happen, um, it, because, you know, you, you, are, you are coming up with a set of criteria. I mean, basically, there's a, there's a problem to be solved. Really, first of all, that's what has to happen, first of all. You recognize or you identify an issue, something that isn't working and needs improvement and innovation. Right. And, and then from that, you know, you're looking, you're looking to start iterating or ideating to create something that's going to solve that problem. And that's great, you know. if you leave it, just right, it there, but it's, it's only, it only exists on paper right. or it exists maybe in a, a model, but you mm-hmm. gotta prove those things out. I mean, how do you know it really is gonna work? Right. Right? So we do all sorts of things to make sure that, you know, it's not just what we like, it's what a larger group that is all having the same issue will adopt or gravitate toward,
0: right? right?
1: We always talk about need versus want, Right. So there's something about it. I use this example, especially with healthcare. care. Um, I'm and I'm going to talk about it and I may I may need some device to help me with my balance issues as I'm getting older or maybe I have a disability. Right. But for the most part, I don't want it. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So right. How, do you tr- how do you turn a want into a need? Mm-hmm. And you tend to do that by, I would say, or what we know, it's, there's an emotional aspect to it. And you bring in an emotion that creates a desire, right? So it's not only what they, you know, the, you know, the old adage form follows function. You've heard mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It was actually coined by an architect. Everyone thinks it's Walter Gropius, sir. but it was actually Louis Sullivan back in the day. Who, uh, and we like to say form follows culture." you know, form follows cultural content because you have to sort of know what's going on in present day and what's happening with people. Right. So, so it's, or actually, excuse me, it's not form follows. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's function follows culture
0: Function. because
1: the culture is the behavioral aspect. It's the emotional aspect that is captured in that, in that, in that design, in that piece. And then function is just going to happen. We're always going to make sure that it's going to function flawless. Right. So, so it just sort of moves beyond, and and we always we always we always talk in terms of uh, the idea of purpose, personality. That's sort of four P's for us: purpose, personality, passion, and perspective. So and I like to say pers- purpose over functionality because functionality sounds more industrial, like machine. Yeah, where purpose is you know it, is more human. There's a humanism to what is my purpose in life. Well,
0: so that's, that, that goes to the that goes to the why. Right. I mean, you know, the functionality is is the how, how does it work? And, you know, but, but purpose is like, okay, why do I have this in the first place? Because I remember, you know, talking, this, this kind of reminds me of of, of a little bit of like when the iPhone first came out, Um, I, I was, I was slow. I was a slow adopter of cell phones. I didn't, I like, why do I want somebody to be able to reach me anywhere? I don't like that idea. Um, and then eventually I got one, I got a flip phone like everybody else. And, and, you know, people had flip phones and little stick phones and whatever. And, but they were just like these little tools they carried around with them. And then, uh, with the possible exception of the, uh, the BlackBerry, um, but then the iPhone came in and then that was, I, I always refer to the cool factor with, with Apple products because they're just kind of cool and they're, it makes you want to have one. Yeah, and, um, that's
1: really important. That's the stickability. They yeah. get you because it's, it's bringing some other nuance, some other creativity, something that engages you in a way that you can't put it down. I mean, there's, right. a, there's moments of desire. Right. You know, you know, or we say cachet, this yeah. cachet in a product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We always talk about cachet.
0: Right. Cachet, Elan, style. <laughs> those french words yeah
1: i mean do you have another <laughs> example of, like something in your let's just say i know you're you know you you're a runner mm-hmm. and why why a certain sneaker or a certain running shoe over another oh
0: in- god did i ever tell you this story this is a funny story i wrote this one day because i was just struck by it I, w- I got up i was going for a run and i had two pairs of the exact same shoe uh same running shoe same model about the same age, about the same number of miles on them. Um, the only difference was one pair was yellow and one pair was blue. And I spent an extra 15 minutes searching for the other yellow shoe because I wanted to wear the yellow shoes. And I was, and it dawned on me, why am, I, why am I wasting so much time looking for this one shoe? And then it dawned on me, I'm like, because the, the yellow ones are better. Huh. That's all. You I don't know, know. You know, I They're I exactly the same, yeah. and I yeah, here. Yeah. to the point to the point where I I, I am convinced in my own head that yeah. if if I was blindfolded and put one blue shoe on and one yellow shoe on, I would be able to tell you which one was which. Of sure, course, you
1: know what? I'm sure you could. Uh,
0: well, I, of course, <laughs> I can't. It would be a guess, but it's like uh, it's well, you just kind of feel that way, and it's it's a ridiculous idea. Yeah, but that but, should have
1: been I like that that shit that could have been your real individual moment, where one color of each, you know, when you were running.
0: It, well, it's funny because I always used to race in white spikes. And yeah. that was just I liked white spikes, and that was it. Yeah. And um, you know, I don't know, but that's a it's a thing. But but know.
1: it comes it goes down to what is that white, it makes you feel different, positive. It helps with your psyche, right? So all of that embraces who you are as an individual, you know. It, it, so I'll that's, tell you. That's what I'll, tell you
0: exactly like. I'll tell you exactly what it. I'll tell you exactly what it. it looks faster to me. Oh, there you go. That's it. Yeah. And it's only. It's all about what it is to me. Is it doesn't matter. You know, other people. You know, sure. I'd like, like other people who think it looks faster too. But it's really about what feels faster to me. It's like, and that's what I get into in my business with with kind of brand storytelling and all that kind of stuff. I ask all these questions that all come back to, no, no, no not what does it mean? What do you mean by that? What, what do your clients want? What do your customers want? None of that stuff. Like, what is it, how does it make them feel? And the closer I can get to that, the better off I am. I think it's the well, more well, this is,
1: This is a perfect segue, if you don't mind me saying, of some yeah. of the things that we've been taking on in the world of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does it make you feel?
0: Right. right.
1: So, so we entered this world um, about in 2003, 2004, Mm-hmm. Um, with the, with the paralysis of my boss, Michael Graves, he mm-hmm. became paralyzed overnight mm-hmm. and, um, he had some strange bacterial meningitis type of right. virus that he got. He, it, it, and I won't, I'll, I'll, it's it's a, it's a, it's an interesting story. What he, what, the, what he went through in all that, all right. um, because he was in eight hospitals, four rehab centers. And what he kept experiencing was all these indignity mm-hmm. um, in, in trying to get well, trying to get better. And many of these places like key rehab centers didn't ask the first question about how to shave in the morning, how to be able to plug in your razor, how to be able to turn on the water in a wheelchair, right? right? So we thought in talking to him that something could be done in these in these spaces and what we were seeing in these healthcare and hospital facilities is a lot of money was going towards um the public spaces these atriums these big giant glamored atriums but we identified that's not where the healing was happening it was happening in the patient room Mm -hmm. so we wanted to make a difference in the patient room Mm -hmm. so so we got to work and you know my boss michael graves said you know if you have some time you know i know we're busy with and this is, again, back 2004, 2005, we were in a, it was our heyday of Target, working at Target stores. He goes, if you have some time, can you, can you think about how we can improve these areas of healthcare in the patient room? Right. So, so we, we started thinking about that. And we took on not necessarily the bed, because the bed was, it was a, a long-term project. You know, so but we started talking to the people that make the bed in the hospital room. Right, and those were two players um, called Hillrom and Stryker. Okay. Yep. And so from that, we did patient room furniture, but we realized that there was something else missing, and it's how you get about the hospital. Like here, are all this advanced stuff going on in the hospital, in the patient room, in 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 throughout the operation rooms, but they were we noticed that they were still using the same wheelchair. Right, the Everson Jennings 1933 X-frame wheelchair, right. and we thought, why? Well, you have all these advances going on all over in in the hospital, and even in our lives. You know, we always compared it to, you know, what was happening with the iPhone that you combined all these different functionality and reduced right. it down to that. You know, it, it, the same the same telephone from 1933 doesn't look like we used it now. Right. It's very different. Right. You know, the, the hospital room looked different. Um, the camera looked different. But why does the wheelchair look exactly the same? So we started saying what you know. So we talked with Stryker about this and they said, Yeah, let's take this on. Let's figure this out. And I'll just make this uh, this really so that was our first point of really doing a major healthcare was the patient room and then taking on what they call the transport chair, you mm-hmm. know, because it's that horrible when you first come into the, the emergency room, you see all those, all those wheelchairs with with the bent with the bent leather or the leathers all stretched out. Mm-hmm. And they have stencils on the back. Someone took some spray paint, right. and that's just, and that's your first indication of maybe the type of health or the the type of service or or help I'm going to get in the hospital. But just spray painting on the back of a chair. Yeah. And we thought, you know, th- it needs to be reflective of the institution that's inside. Right. You know, that first impression of the hospital. So we spent three years with Stryker. You know, really looking to make a difference with this this piece. This with this this transport chair. Right. And really, I just can say one of the first end point of entries was that even though this chair was so ugly, 30% of all wheelchairs were being stolen from the hospital every year. Wow. So that's, that's a major number of wheelchairs. Oh, really? That then?
0: like a, yeah. a third? Holy Yeah, crap. because
1: people would just roll them out and they fold up and they throw them in the back of the trunk. They just ride off of them.
0: Man. People so anyway,
1: so we, so we, so we made sure we did something about that. And it was a really big success and how we achieved that, working with Stryker, their engineers, and the real collaboration of marketing and how it all came together. But it made us think, what's next? What can we do next? And what we wanted to do next was really something in the home, home health care, because the, the you know, wellness doesn't stop in the hospital. People want to start to be they want to be home. That's where they always when you're oh, in the hospital, sure. the first thing you want to do is get out of the hospital to be home
0: right. Well, it's a journey. You know, I I remember talking to a doctor one time, um, a, a surgeon talking about, um, how it was a, a kid's issue. I was with something with Aiden, actually. So I, I, I won't get into why I had the conversation, but he said, you know, we just don't want them to feel like perpetual patients all the time. You know, when they're in the hospital that often, um, they start to feel like they belong there. And, and maybe that's, the only place they belong and you don't want them to have that feeling you want them to have a feeling like this is this is a this is a, a, a place they go to get better and eventually get out and now and you're what you're saying here is now they want to get home and you'll feel, start feeling better at home and, and recovering at home and, right and, and, and one of the
1: things that was happening at home is that you still had this plethora of those types of items you know I'm just going to say um, a commode you know yep. I, I, I'll actually let's just start with a cane or a walker Or a rollator. And just by me saying these, the the names of these products, it conjures up a certain impression of your mind of what that looks like, right? It's like, what what would be if you looked up rollator or walker in the dictionary, you know exactly what it's going to be. Somewhere, there's going to be a yellow tennis ball involved.
0: Right, 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 right.
1: (laughs) Right. And then if I say commode to you, I mean, when when we were doing our research on commode, people were referring to it as a necessary evil. Right. It's, it's, it's it's something, it's a horrible, it's one of the most horrible products that you can have in your home. And Necessary. So again, it goes back to that idea of I need
0: a commode, but man, I really don't want one. Well, you don't want it, but you, you need it. And it's like, it's like, um, well, you tell me, I mean, it's, it seems to me like you want to find a way to make, to find the empowering Part of this. Part of, what's the empowering yeah. part of the story? because you know you need to have it. So let me have one that actually serves my purpose and, and makes me feel like it belongs here. And that's
1: it. That's it. Yeah. How it, why, why it belongs here, um, how it makes me feel, yeah. right? It doesn't make me feel sick or old. It provides me some look of wellness that I'm going to get better. It has the appeal of oh. There could right. be hope involved in these. And maybe it's something that's has some function so flawlessly that it's going to replace anything else I had in the past. Right. You know, so that's right. really important too. That maybe, you know, as we go through this, we're we're marketing to people that are already experiencing this product and they know how horrible it is. And they're the adopter that are going to see, like, that's gonna make things better for me. I'm gonna feel better about myself, my right. well-being the manner in which I can, I, def, I define my life as normal. What right. is normal to me in my life versus having to put up with this because someone only thought about it on, in terms of how small they can make the box or the packaging and right. get that many more in a container load, a truck, versus what really works for me.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what's, but that goes back, I mean, um, so, so all this sort of healthcare uh, product thinking came out of, uh, Michael Graves illness in that situation yeah I mean we
1: we were designing you know high you know, really wonderful designs for Target store you know the housewares we were doing beautiful bathing products for German um, German plumbing manufacturers so real high-end stuff and then also stuff that was you know what we call highly accessible or affordable right we Target it was the idea of the democratization of design Right. But now, design is affordable for everybody. Well, just because it's, it's
0: inexpensive doesn't mean it can't be cool.
1: Right. And sometimes you know? things don't have to be that expensive. They just have to be what's right for the market in order to be cool or to right. be amazing. Exactly you know, you, right. Yeah. They just well, it's
0: funny. I'm looking because I see on your shelf behind you at the top of the shelf there is, is the, uh, the famed uh, tea kettle. Right. Um, so is that, is that when – because Michael Graves was an architect. And so he was doing, you know, buildings and large projects like that. Um, when did when did that transition? Because you you came and you started right out of school with Michael Graves Design Group, right?
1: Yeah, that was and that was my so first position.
0: Uh, so right when now. did when yeah. did he transition? When did sort of when did that transition happen from you know purely architecture to wait, let's do some product design too, and let's figure out.
1: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that attracted me to work there. Was that there was this general interest from Michael in physical artifact mm-hmm. that it just it just wasn't doing the core and shell of a building. It was crossing the threshold, doing all of the interior finishes, designing all the furniture, the carpets, the rugs, the lighting, uh, and then moving into the kitchen, the kitchen cabinets, and then also all those items that were not nailed down. You know those items that could be engaging that you reach out for, that you hold in your hand. It's right. a totally different scale.
0: Well, and it's all sort of like, how, how do you interact with the world, right? You have a satisfying interaction with these Yeah, things. and then again,
1: when we were designing the tea kettle, um, it was really designed for the American market. Now, again, this is 1985. I was just starting out and, you know, the, you could basically border, boil water in a pot, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but, but the reason we don't boil water in a pot is because that pot was probably used for something else to cook in, mm-hmm. such right. as soup or stew and all of those remnants, all of the, the history of your cooking lives in that pot. So when you're just boiling water, that residue is gonna come through the water. So that's the reason why we have a separate piece to, to boil water, such as a right. tea kettle. Right. And then from that, um, tea kettles were, you know, they were, they were sort of lowbrow objects. And if you think about where they live in your kitchen, there's sort of the main focal point on your stove. So we thought, you know, how can we lift the experience of that, of just the idea of boiling water to make it something you look forward to doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and and just how it's going to feel in your hand and the experience of what the whistle sounds like. And then also making sure that it boils water faster. And that was another key component that that helped determine the shape of the kettle, this conic shape, actually help boil water faster
0: which is (laughs) just the frustrating (laughs) thing about boiling water there are all kinds of poems about it um
1: and for for whatever reason it became the yuppie object of the 80 it was like everyone giving them as wedding gifts a tea kettle you know and it's still it's on the market now it's been 35 36 years and this is still for years it was the number i would probably a good 30 years, it was the number one item in the Alessi line. Now I would say it's in a top three, top four item. So it's, they still sell maybe 70 to hundred thousand pieces a year.
0: That's a good run right there. man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, over, moment. you know, for over for the last 35, 36 years. So that, that brings us into the what's going on there because it's designed back in the eighties, but it looks every bit as fresh and relevant today it's, there's a sense of timelessness impued into the design, right? Where it just transcends and it, it, it carries cur- the current vibe. It's
0: very present all the time mm-hmm. in what it's looking to do. Well, do you think, do you think that's because uh, Yeah, well, my theory of, of the, of the case would be that because it, because it satisfies, it satisfies the need in a satisfying way, like it makes you want to reach out and you know, why do you want to grab that tea kettle as opposed to some other tea kettle and and that doesn't really change you know it's not it's not that's not a trendy choice you're making you're making a choice because it serves the purpose
1: yes yes and and again there's just there's 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 a, there's a composition to it there's an assemblage of all all those parts come together everything is centered around the the knob so it's all emanating from the knob you know with the handle with the, the, the sort of circle you know just the the sort of array of circles and then the bird at the end right bird really at that point it's sculpture right Mm -hmm. so here you have this industrialized object but then you're doing this little sculpted piece and we designed it in a way that it was really easy to lift off the cradles your two fingers so every part about it all these touch points as we call them have been considered the fit and finish of every detail why are there little bumps along the side well that's a metaphor for the industrial age, the welds, rivets, and the bubbling boiling liquid inside. Right. So everything has a reason to be. That's really important if you're going to design anything. What's its reason to be?
0: Yeah, that's cool. And now, so now with the healthcare stuff, you're, you're kind of taking all that um, experience and, and expertise. Yeah. And training and, and uh, understanding of what's worked and hasn't worked in the past and applying it to products that have not really been considered this way.
1: Yeah, and, and then what happens to that is we, fo- we want to follow a similar formula like we did with Target, <laughs> the democratization of design of bringing design to the masses. We want to bring healthcare to the masses. And how do you do that, right? Target was a, an incredible partnership that they were that retail vehicle that made that happen. Mm-hmm. And plus they just do the best marketing and PR work, just second to none. They still do today. Right. I mean, when you, you're in that store, And we found a partner. You know, they weren't they weren't necessarily the right partner for for this talk, but we wanted to continue with that direct to retail design partnership. And we found that after years and years, I mean, we we talked to a lot of people. Yeah, right. And and I'm just going to say right now, we 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 finally partnered with CVS Health, CVS Pharmacy. Mm -hmm. They, They had the right people in place, people who really understood what we were looking to do. And again, we brought this idea to them which is always more difficult to do. Like if CVS want, wanted to take on this, 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 uh, this, this category, mm-hmm. it's much easier versus you're trying to convince somebody. Right. And that was really hard. That's what we had to do with Striker too. We had to convince them that design is a differentiator in healthcare. And the same thing with this group. We had the right audience, the right marketing people, the right executives to say, just please listen to us. Listen to what we're trying to do here. There's right. no name brand in what they call durable medical equipment. Right. Right. And in the, in the store, in the pharmacy, it's typically known, you'll love this, typically known as that area of the store, it's called the Isle of Death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I right? can see like that. who wants to shop in there? Right. 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 Well, it's so funny. It's funny. This, this CVS uh, thing is, a, is an interesting point, too, because it's, it's, you know, you go into different pharmacies around the country and different places and you have a diff- you know any store of any kind you have a different feeling. It's like when Target became Target, you had like at, at risk of, well they're they're big, they're not gonna get hurt by me. Walmarts and the Kmart's of the world, which were all about sort of like discount retail, right? So right. It was, really- it was a reach to the bottom. It was a re- exactly. price,
1: lowest price, lowest price.
0: Exactly. Whereas when Target was I remember the first time I went into a Target and thought well, this is different, you know. This i thought it was going to be like a Kmart or anything like else—and I and I went in and said, no, it's different. And um, they have some of the same kinds of stuff, and they have some very different stuff. And uh, and it's you know and and, it, and you know
1: where and you know where that mandate that you know that vision came from. That was from their CEO. That CEO mm-hmm. said, "Design can be the differentiator." We we're having a tough time, maybe be Walmart or even at that time back in 1998, 99, when we started with them is, you know, we can't beat them on price, but how about if we beat them on design? Right. So that, that became the differentiator for walking into that store. And at every point, like the store even feels brighter, it feels cleaner. It feels shinier. There's a luster to it. Yeah. You know, so they, they, so they made sure that that was happening at what we call every touch point.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, CVS kind of feels the same to me yeah. in in its space because it's like you go into other types of pharmacies, and yeah, they, I mean you can get the thing you need like right now.
1: There it is, the need.
0: Uh, but you go into CVS and it kind of feels like you want to be. There. Yeah, that's, I, that's,
1: that's yeah,
0: and you that's of the there. difference. Yeah,
1: you kind of like being in that atmosphere. You feel yeah. good. You feel good about
0: that. It feels you know, and and just in my own experience, every everyone I've been, it's it's, it's sort of bigger, taller, brighter. Uh, easier to navigate physically by walking around. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense that that would be the kind of a place that would, that would be open to this sort of a a new thing. It
1: it, it is interesting that CVS took over the pharmacy division for target. Mm -hmm. So now it's like the best of all worlds there. Right. So we wanted to, you know, we, we wanted to provide um, an improved healthcare and caregiving experience with our partnership with CVS health and, Again, this took many years. We we've been we've been trying to do this for at least seven to ten years. You know, mm-hmm. we've knocked on every door, you know, as I as I always compare it to, and again, we we're just in the throes of this now. It's it's launching within the next few weeks. Right. Let's, you know, we're we're knocking on wood, we're crossing our fingers, we're crossing our legs to see how it's gonna go. Hopefully the, the, the plan and all the research and ethnography and everything we put together is going
0: to work, but yeah. we will see. We yeah. will see. Well, it's interesting because your your business you're not really, and people talk about this a lot, but most people don't really mean it as deeply. Uh, that you're not looking for a place to sell your products. You're 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 not looking for a sale. You're looking for a real partnership, and that's what that's what's going to make this sort of a thing work, right?
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's not. Or it's not being sold everywhere. It's, there's an exclusivity to it, mm-hmm. which you know, again is important to CVS, that it's a product that knowing people can only get in their in their environment mm-hmm. online for them. Yeah. So that's that's really that's sort of really critical to it as well, that they have differentiating product in the in the durable medical equipment world, which if you think about it, all of those products, people might, it's sort of one tier. One tier of the same product being sold at every major retailer, yeah, versus something that is providing a different point of view. If everyone's selling the same product, the only differentiation piece is price, and they're all right. at different price points. What we discovered. Right. So, it, 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 basically, looking at this, there is no name brand. Like, if I name a brand, you know, if I say to you, "What what running shoe?" Right? If right. I say to you, "What watch?" A brand's going to come up. So if I say to you, dermal medical equipment, Lyle, what brand comes to mind for you? Yeah. Yeah, Silence.
0: Nothing. Yeah.
1: Nothing. So it's, it's again, it's this idea that we love is it's right for the taking. I mean, it's that no one, these are so overlooked. These products, no one's doing anything with them. No one wants to be, no one wants to do it. They're not sexy. And that's why, that's what I love about it because they're so mundane. They're so overlooked. They're like orphaned, and it's just I'm just going to give you the same product, but maybe I'll do it in a new color, and that's design, that's style. Yeah. But how about if we just reinvent the whole category? That these products, like you said before, they look like they belong in my house. Right. There's an integration part; they look like furniture, but they yeah. behave like high-level medical, you know, med- medical or medical device. Right. You know, so how do we do that? How do we bring that to it to have them be seen? They're very familiar. But they're seen in an entirely different way, and they're going to bring a different mindset and a whole different level of emotion to the game. And right. now it's a brand. Now you associate this look when I, you know, when when I show you this to you, it's going to imprint itself, hopefully, on your mind that you're going to be identified with with us and with
0: CVS. You're excited about this, I can tell.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. It's a, at a certain point where you know I've designed a lot of key kettles in my life. There's just again, there's such a I, it's so overlooked to me and it, it it's so, I feel it's so important. Important. It's given me this, 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 this calling that I just want to help make a difference. That's I think awesome. this, this is sort of my place to help make this level of difference and then carry on the tenets of what we stand for at Michael Graves Design and what he wanted to do. Right. So it's, so it's like a perfect storm for the way I want to work at this point in my career.
0: That's awesome. Because, you know, a lot of these things are, I mean, they have them there, like you're talking about the wheelchair or whatever, and they, or the walker. And they have them and they're, they're, they're functional and they kind of do. Right.
1: There's a real baseline of how they perform. Thing.
0: Yeah. But they're not, you know, there's nothing special about them. There's right. nothing, you know, I, I think like a walker comes to mind. I would think if I were in a position where I came out of a car accident or something and I had to use a walker, I would feel defeated just trying to touch the thing. Um, Cause it's like, I know that means I'm hurt or I'm injured or I'm, you know, well, you're less than, not...
1: less than you're less than who you are.
0: I'm less than yeah, exactly right. And so, you know, I, I would I want something that's more like a like a uh, well, uh, like like a physical fitness tool that makes me want to pick it up. Right. It's and, it's and it's, a,
1: it's almost a performance piece. Right. Right. So it so in here in this case, if there's a performance aspect to it because it actually does work better. Than a typical walker by what we've done and still, I mean, we worked with um, we worked with a ga- a gait and walk, walker study specialist at mm-hmm. Seton Hall, you know, the okay. gait motion lab at Seton Hall to develop ways of and you I, you probably know about this, like just your gait, the manner in which you walk, mm-hmm. and it we've we put some um some some functionality in looking at that, and we've changed some positioning and some angles in order to improve the manner and the comfort of how you hold it in your hand and how it's going to improve how you move forward
0: but what's interesting to me about this is, is so many of these all of these things are, are are measurable and they're and you can you can put a you can put a stake in the ground and say this one performs better because XYZ in addition to it looks better feels better you want to use it all that stuff but it you, you can measure these things and so these design choices that you are making are are they're they're reasoned well thought out choices you're not just picking it because it's purple you right. know that's like, it, i always
1: say that's like putting lipstick on a pig right <laughs>
0: exactly right you know exactly it's, it has to right. be it has
1: to be more than just applying a color the color has to accentuate the basis of what's there i mean it's even when we when we're doing studies of making what we call ideation or building models of a product the the, the, the product has to look great as an unpainted model like right. if I say, oh, when I, once I start applying material to it, it's going to look so much better. No, just the base form, the yeah. skeletal aspect of the design that we're working on has to look good at that stage, right. meaning it's only going to get better. Right. It already looks great, and it's only going to get accentuated when I apply finish material right. color.
0: Right.
1: right. You, can't, you can't depend on those as a way to make your product great. It has to come before that. It's got to have good bones.
0: Interesting point. How how much uh, and uh, now not just specifically to healthcare things or, or anything, just sort of in, industrial design across the board. How much does the idea of vision um, come into play? Like when you look at something and you say that could be so much better, or I can see what that could be, because I know I'm I'm going to use an example, and uh, that may make you uncomfortable. I know your house that you live in when you bought it. And I know your house that you live in now. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I was excited for you because you, you guys were all excited about buying the house and you loved it and all that stuff. And when we saw it and I was like, what are they going to do with this? I, I, I didn't understand the flow of the space. I didn't understand the yard. I didn't, it didn't, I didn't see what you saw and what you have made it into. Is extraordinary uh, compared okay. to what it was when I first saw it. So, I this is this is this is the reason I ask because with your background, your experience, your ideas, how much does vision um, come into play with any of this?
1: Yeah, I, I, it's we're all, I'm, I mean, through my lens, I'm always evaluating things and seeing what I mean. I, I basically have this idea that anything I put my hands on, I can make better. Yeah, right. I'm always going to bring I'm going to bring a point of view to it. I'm going to bring a narrative to it. I'm I'm going to have you look at it in a new way, right? It might be familiar to it, but there's going to be a twist. And that twist is going to be what we call the lighters. And it's going to make you smile, right? And that's like when you said you looked at my house before and after
0: it, it probably brought a
1: smile to your face. Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah, this is what he was talking about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, because you explained it to me and I could see it a little bit, but it's like, I what? No, because it was so different from what, but you say, you know, you talk about good bones, you could see... What was possible for that from a different perspective? That's that's
1: exactly the reason we bought a house that needed TLC, that was in disrepair and needed someone to pay attention to it, to bring it back to its full potential, what we thought it could be. And the same thing with a product. I mean, I look at products all the time and I, you know, I talk about this. I love bad design. I love identifying something that is so horrendous that it's only done for maybe one reason. Like, you know, again, I talk about being able to fit into a, being able to fit into a container load, or it's a fast follower and it's trying to follow something else, or again, it's something that has never changed and no one paid any attention to it. It's you know, it's 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 some abused, uh, abused purpose for it that no one cares about and you know never given it the time of day. So I I just love bad design. I just love <laughs> looking at something and saying that is so incredible it, it, how homely it is and right. how no one has given it any consideration, and, like, and, then, and then building upon that. And again, you have to make sure you don't do too much. Right. I think we can only absorb, you know, we, we talk about maybe two or three features to change in right. order to create an innovation, right. right? That's really sort of important. Like what makes something innovative is another question. You know, but it, okay. it, it, can't be the, it can't be the Swiss Army nut. It just has to be the, the right amount that people can handle it. Right. Anything more, it's just too much, it's overwhelming.
0: Well, like the Swiss Army knife, that's that's the gag, right? Is the right, right. thing. That's the but there's only so many products that can be like that. Yeah. So the the medical uh, product effort you're doing, you're you're developing all these products, medical and healthcare products, industries all over uh, well, all over the world, really, but really specifically in America. I've been talking about the baby, the influence of the baby boomer generation, and how when it reaches that tipping point of a certain age and retirement um so many things are going to change and, and how we're going to have to react to them from everything from medicare to insurance to, to you know how hospitals are are capable of dealing with these many people in their their uh you know later year what's it seems like a pretty good market for the products that you're developing uh but it's also a problem that you're solving so you know talk to me about that a little bit
1: well it's first of all i mean we're talking about a group the baby boomer right and we were seeing um, you know, that, that this group by 2030, uh, really Americans over 65 will compose 20% of the population, about over 72 million people. And there's about 10,000 people a day in this country turning 65. Wow. So that's a really active group. And why is that happening? Well, it's been happening you know, through our, our research. We were talking to people and people would say to us like, well, I'm only 78 right? And with the average life expectancy in the US being 78.69, mm-hmm. it's clear that old is universally relative. Yep. So someone older than you is old, Right. but anyone, no matter what age it is, <laughs> but anyone younger than you at any age you are is considered young. Right. And that's how people don't like my, like my, my mother, my 90, 89 year old mother, doesn't see yourself as as old you know she's basically saying oh you know there's there's much older people than me in here it, it and they're really old you know so it's really like it's all relative
0: so it's funny it's 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 it reminds me of that that old george carlin uh joke about uh when you're driving there are two kinds of drivers anybody who goes slower than you is an idiot and anybody that goes <laughs> faster than you is a maniac um <laughs> You know, yeah. but that's, a, you know, and, and you're only as old as you feel or as old as you act, I suppose. Right. right? Yeah. So, and I, I was so looking that's, at. So that's a big population of people right. that
1: expect, you know, they, they actually have grown up with good design, right? Having good things in their lives. And why at this age should they expect anything less? And especially in, in these types of home, you know, the aging in home and having these sort of products that we're doing, it's expected that they're going to be able to have choices and really good choices to remain independent. Right. You know, and that's what we're looking to help with.
0: Right. And it's, it's one of those things too. And they, they, with the variety of of product selection out there in America, anyway um, you know, we we've all come to expect to be able to pick and choose um, you know, the, the color, the shape, design that makes us feel good and makes us feel like we're, we're, you know, that oh, no, 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 not that one. That one's for the old people. I want yeah. that one. That one's for the young, vital person like me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, again, and, and in those choices that you're seeing for these types of products, what we call durable medical equipment, right. it's the same choice every time. It's that You can go to any of the pharmacies, any, of, any place of medical supply store, they're all selling the same version of the same product. Yeah, over it
0: and over. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, the same, you know, cane, crutch, walker, wheelchair. Yeah.
1: you got it. Yeah. And again, and what we're looking to do is all these new products that we're doing are about a level of convenience and keeping order and balance. Um, so you keep moving along
0: properly, living your best normal life. When you're living it, you don't have to turn your house into a hospital. Right. right. That's a, that's know?
1: exactly it. It could still be your home, but it has everything, all these, all these Really wonderful thoughts integrated into the environment that it's seamless. Yeah, that's and it that's, feels that's like, what we're looking to achieve here. Yeah, and you these know? things
0: are they—they are now part of your life. They're part of the way you move around. They're not, you know, it's not an addendum, uh, purely medical uh, intervention. Yep. Uh, yep. It's you know, I, yeah, I got to use a cane now, but I, you know, I love my cane because it gets me around. Right, and, and we, we talk know, about it in
1: terms of like I'm wearing glasses today, right? I I'm wearing eyewear. And I have a really, you know, really strong progressive lenses in here right. and they help me see, but hopefully, you know, they, they're, they're, they're a, a, called a fashion accessory. Hopefully they complement my, the shape of my head and my hairstyle and make me look, you know, not like I, I I'm, I'm straining to look at and, and make me look like they're institutional eyewear glasses. They're, they're a fashion statement. I picked them out to coordinate coordinate with my sense of style. And that's that's, how we're thinking about these types of mobility products or these home bathing products. I mean, that's what we're sort of starting with. Um, And that's important to mention um, with our collection for CVS, we're starting with mobility, Mm -hmm. right? So we're starting with a folding cane. We're starting with a, a full height adjustable cane. And then also the walker, again, that walker is that piece with the yellow tennis balls. Not anymore, folks. And each, each one of these pieces really are designed with high levels of innovation. They just change the game. They're so much better than anything else. This I proudly say. And then in the bathroom, we're taking on bath safety, you know, for yeah. those reasons, because the bathroom is a really dangerous place for falls. Yeah. Right. We're taking that on. And what does that mean? We're going to do a raised toilet seat. And again, I talk about these things, but I, I talk it with a... a, a, a an, you know, a raised verbor, you know, a vigor about right. how are you designing these and what we're bringing to them. So right. this raised yeah. toilet seat doesn't look like it's additive sitting on your toilet seat. It integrates it. So it becomes, it, it has the idea of looking like a Toto toilet, one right. of those Toto bidet toilets. It's so yeah. incredible looking and the functionality of how it clips on and how you sit on it and how you can store it or not is all considered. And that's, then, that's, oh, that's actually yeah. a really,
0: that's really a great idea that that product by itself. I know, again, to talk about my mom again, she, she's had uh, her hips replaced. Um, and after her hip replaced, she had, and she had to have a raised toilet seat. just yes. Because you have to, you know, you can't do, live without yeah, it.
1: You, you, you have to, you have to keep your, your knees bent at a certain degree in order to be able to
0: stand back up. And it looks like a, um, you know, it looks like a sort of a semi-translucent plastic. You know, bulb Yeah, it's a blow causes. molded piece. And while, while that may be really functional, it may serve the purpose. You know, you're living in this house, there are other people living in this house, there are other people using that bathroom. You don't want it to seem uninviting to other people who have to use the bathroom. And, and so it's, uh, that's, a, that's and because gotta if be a really It becomes
1: that, that's grandma's bathroom, don't go in there.
0: Yeah, and you don't, <laughs> want, to, yeah, you don't want to end up with that. That's just feels that's stigma. Yeah, yeah, it's really, yeah, it feels
1: weird. In the world of bath safety, there's a raised toilet seat. Again, Mm -hmm. these are there's a shower chair we're doing, so you sit comfortably and it doesn't look institutional, medical. And then again, the worst of the worst, as I said before, we've taken on the commode, the The least sexiest item. It is, as I said, a necessary evil. No one wants it. No one, you know, either you blank it out of your mind. Don't even want to know what it is. Mm -hmm. But it does actually live beyond the bathroom many times. Mm -hmm. It lives in people's living rooms we've thought in our research we saw them in people's living rooms we saw them in people's bedrooms beyond the bathroom so you know how 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 interfering is that to see something like that in a room and then granted people need it it's really but can you do it in a different way that really serves the entire family
0: Again, you don't want to be stigmatized. You want to be, you oh, want to right, feel right. like this is this is something that's part of what I'm doing. Either it's right now and it's temporary or it's become something that I've transitioned to. But I feel good about it. I feel right. like and this is part of you, me.
1: You bring up a really good point because at times in our lives we are able-bodied, but there hopefully most of the time, but there are times when we are not. Mm-hmm. When we are become temporarily disabled. Right. Right. And then again, everything we're doing is is helping to serve you in the short-term or the long-term. Again, it's like you're bringing up, it's inclusive. It works well for everybody.
0: Yeah, well, and there's, there's a whole slew, there's a whole sheet of, of products and product ideas. Uh, this is what we were talking about earlier, how, how they, they just haven't really been looked at uh, in a new way, in a new light, from a new angle in generations, you know, since they were first solved you know right right ago.
1: and we have mapped those out we have long lists that i think will keep us going for the next 15 20 years of achieving achieving to fulfill those
0: voids all right man uh have a good uh have a good rest of the day
1: yeah well wonderful spending time with you it's yeah, uh, great catching up on all fronts and see what we're all doing
0: i enjoyed i enjoyed the conversation I hope you did. let's
1: yeah let's keep the flow going
0: absolutely absolutely So that was Donald Strum of Michael Graves Design Group, and we had a really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, We've been on for a lot longer. There's a lot more products they're coming out with, including vision care, uh, eyewear, um, and a variety of other medical issues. They're really passionate about what they're doing, and they're making some cool stuff. So uh, check them out at MichaelGravesDesign.com. Thanks for listening. Be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the story for its podcast and embracing the idea that making things matters, give us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these things. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, interviewing, scheduling, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Vile and Mimbley, the an content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent who produces a number of other podcasts, including the wonderful Guest in the House about all things hip hop? Music for the program is from the Jody Nario and Light Lights at Home album. And if you like the work we're doing, please share the story we're far and wide and tell all your friends about it. And you can always send us questions or suggestions to our email at cheers at nibblesmith.com. That's spelled N Y M. Support us on our new Patreon. More at patreon.com slash matter There will be a couple new clips from this conversation over there soon. Or just shop our store on the website, at storyforge.com. That's Storyforge separated by hundreds. And click shop link.